I want to talk about the sweet aroma, but this is uh, the third piece of furniture inside the holy place, and it's called the uh, it, it's it's called the altar of incense, and it's 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 about eighteen inches square. By the way, you've heard of the denomination four square gospel. That's that's where they get that from. Eighteen inches. Uh, I mean three feet. 18 inches square, I'm sorry, and about, three, in other words, this size looks pretty much like that, except ours is painted gold, and it's not gold. Don't steal it. It's, nowadays, you never know, but uh, it was uh, made of a, a acacia wood, uh, which is a very tough, gnarly wood, and which is symbolic of humanity, and then it's coated in gold. Because even though we're human, how many know we have a godly nature? We have the nature of God. We're made in the image of God. Hallelujah. One thing, I, and, I, and I've said this before, when wood goes into fire, it comes out ashes. But when gold goes into fire, it just melts and comes out looking a little different. In your nature, because you're made in the image of God, whatever you're going through, it might be hot but you're coming through on the other side, and you're going to be fine because gold is always gold. I don't know if you got any gold on your fingers, but you know what? That gold might have been dug out of the ground a thousand years ago and melted and remelted into all kinds of stuff, and now it's on your finger. Gold never just disappears. It just gets reworked into something else. Ha! Ha! That's, that's true of saints, too. We never just disappear. We just get reworked into something else. Let's look at the description in Exodus chapter 30, and we'll begin reading in, in verse 1. You shall make an altar to burn incense on. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length, and a cubit its width. It shall be square, and two cubits shall be its height. Its horns, horns representing the power power of God. Its horns shall be of one piece with it. And you shall overlay its top, its sides all around, and its horns with pure gold. And you shall make for it a molding of gold all around. Two gold rings you shall make for it under the molding on both its sides. You shall place them on its two sides, and they shall be holders for the poles with which to bear it. Mm-hmm. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. You shall put it before the veil. Let me say that again. You shall put it before the veil. How many know what the veil is? You understand what that is? Before We'll get to it. Before the veil that is before the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with you. God has a place that he meets with you. Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense every, when he tends the lamps, he shall burn incense on it. And when Aaron lights the lamps at, he shall burn incense on it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer strange incense on it or a burnt offering or a grain offering This is not the place for offerings. This is the place for incense. 
nor shall you pour a drink offering on it. Don't spill your Coke on it. And Aaron shall make atonement upon its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. I want to get to that in a future sermon. Once a year he shall make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. So let's notice several things. First of all, we noticed we notice the aroma. It's different. You were in the outer court, and there you smelled death and blood and people because deodorant hadn't been invented. And I'm just, I'm just real today, I tell you. And uh, can you imagine the smell of, of burnt flesh and hair? And I mean, it's, it's kind of nasty out there. And whatever else is blowing around in the air, uh, all that, all that stuff, and then you just you you just take your hand and you move that 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 doorway, that covering, and you walk into this room, fifteen by fifteen, and all of a sudden you're overwhelmed. Oh, this is different. The room, the atmosphere, the smell, the noise, the temperature. You're not exposed anymore. You're covered. You're in a place where there's bread and light and the incense is burning. The fresh bread to your right, the candelabra to your left, and straight ahead, oh, there it is, and straight ahead, there's the, uh, there's the altar of incense. You got that picture? There it is. We preached on this. We preached on this. For those of you that attend once a month, you need to get the tapes. I'm so ornery. And straight ahead, and notice it's blocking the doorway, as it were, into the Holy of Holies, and there's that veil right here that separates the two rooms. Ah. Outside, it's lit by sunlight. This is lit by candlelight. This has no light except for the presence of God. Oh, preach about that. Come back next week. The presence of God literally lit up the room. <laughs> if that doesn't blow your mind, you're not saved. What is, what is, what is the stench of the outer court represent? It represents our past. Represents our sins. Represents our failures. Come on. I mean, let's just be honest. We, sometimes the devil will take us back out to the outer court, and all of a sudden we're living with those failures again, and we're living with, with sin again, and we begin to think about what we used to do, and we're sorry for it. But all that's left into the outer court. As you go into the holy place, the whole atmosphere changes. When you come into the presence of God, there's forgiveness. There's cleansing. There's an aroma there. Hallelujah. There's an aroma, and, and, and this is amazing, the aroma comes from your prayers. Oh, hang on now, hang on. Come on. God doesn't, listen, God doesn't just hear your prayers. He smells your prayers. 
Donna's praying again. <laughs> Come on, church. What does that mean? That it's it's the world has twisted this word, but there's a sensuality to it, right? It it affects the senses. God is fully involved in this, and as you pray, it represents smoke rising, and that when you pray, it fills heaven with an aroma. Don't tell me prayer doesn't move God. Psalms 141 and verse 2, David talks about his tabernacle, and he said, let my prayer be as the, let my prayer be like the evening sacrifice that burns like fragrant incense rising as my offering to you as I lift up my hands in surrendered worship. Ah, hallelujah. Whenever you worship, it's incense rising. Whenever you praise him, it's incense rising. Whenever you get on your knee as you go down, your prayer goes up. Smoke has only one direction, and that's up. The devil will try to blow it east and west, but eventually it goes to heaven every time. It is a sweet incense before the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Revelation chapter 5, we get a glimpse into heaven itself. So it was that while we... Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamp, each having a... And... Golden bowls full of which are the prayers of the saints. The harps represent worship and the incense represents prayer. It's the harp and bowl ministry that every one of us have. Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing that God saves up every prayer? No prayer is wasted. No prayer goes unattended. Every prayer. The devil may fight your prayer, but God has your prayer. And one day, one day, somehow, amen, God is going to answer every prayer. We see an example of this with Zacharias in Luke chapter 1, verse 8. And so it was that while uh, Zacharias was serving as priest before God, in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. You know, sometimes you could do the most mundane things and the most amazing thing can happen. Come on, church. Prayer. I mean, how many, how many remember those early experiences when you first got saved? And I, I, I forget now what I was praying for, but I kept praying for it. Every day I'd pray for it, pray for it, pray for it. I don't know how long I prayed for it, but one day the prayer got answered and I got surprised. It's just, you know, some things are just, listen, God honors faithfulness. God honors your prayer life. And so don't ever give up. Because sometimes, like Daniel, there's a war, 21-day war, that, that, that your prayer has to go through before it finally gets there. And who knows how long to fight to get it back. So stay with it, not because some people say you should only pray once. No, no, you keep praying because you're in a war. Don't keep praying because you didn't believe yesterday, and hopefully you'll believe today. I'm not talking about that. 
I'm talking about believe today and believe tomorrow and believe the next day. Just keep believing and keep fighting because while you're believing, hallelujah, angels are fighting for you in the heavenly places to get that prayer answered. Ah, glory. How many believe what I'm saying is true? Hallelujah. So then the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense because only Zacharias could go in. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Boom, surprise. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. <laughs> Fear fell upon him. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. How many know the story? You shall call his name John. You know the whole story. But listen, when you pray, several things happen. This, this could be another whole sermon, but just write it down quickly. Number one, when you pray, God breaks his silence. It had been quiet for over 400 years, and suddenly God appears in his tabernacle. None of you have been waiting 400 years on anything. Some of you can't wait four minutes. But aren't you glad God breaks his silence when we pray? Number two, angels are released when we pray. Number three, barrenness becomes fruitfulness. I should have just made this my sermon outline, preached all this. <laughs> Purpose is released when you pray. Huh? Huh? The prophetic is released when you pray, and hearts are changed when you pray. But listen, you got to get this. It's not enough to just have your little pack of incense. You've got to apply fire. And the fire is not from you. That's called strange fire. You can't get God to move with a Bic lighter. You need, you need the power that comes. And, you know, and there's something else we didn't mention with the candelabra. The, the, you know, when they lit, those, when they lit the, 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 the oil, the fire came from the altar out in the outer court. And does anyone know how that, how that fire got there? It fell from heaven. God lit that altar, and, and, and even when they carried it, they had to keep the thing burning constantly because that was the fire sent from heaven. And he says, you can't light the candelabra unless you get the fire that came from heaven. We can't have church without fire from heaven. We can't go. We can't move. We can't have anything in God. We can't make it up. We can't fake it till we make it. We've got to have the fire off the altar of God. We don't have those altars as it were anymore, but we have Calvary and the fire that was lit at Calvary. You know, I, I believe in the, the, in the, uh, the, the, the face thing that, was, that they believe was the face of Jesus from the tomb. The Shroud of Turin, and, and, they, and they've studied this, and, they, and, and they, 
They tried to estimate the amount of energy that could possibly produce images like that on a cloth. And they said, there's no energy known to man. You can't just burn it in there. Even with the lasers we have today, you can't produce the image that's on that linen, and yet they won't believe it. I'm telling you, there's a power in resurrection that no man on this planet can equate. No man can, 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 can understand it or recreate it. We need fire off the altar. You've got to have the fire off the altar. Fire changes the incense to smoke that rises. You can't take the incense and... Because as I said, as we'll preach a little bit more in the message, the priest made the incense. There was a recipe for it. And you put that together and you bring that incense. But you, but incense is no good. Church activity, no good. Church without God, no good. All your empty programs, no good. You can have all the money in the world, no good. You can have all the incense. You can make the, everything just right. Amen. Have some kind of order and p- pattern to your worship service. But unless there's fire from the altar, that church is not a church. Fire must be applied. God, we need to pray. God, put the fire to us. Some things in life burn, and I say, good. Sometimes it needs to burn. God, put the fire to us. One man said this, prayer doesn't really so much change things. Prayer doesn't so much change circumstances Prayer changes us. For some of us, nothing's going to change in your life. Well, God, work a miracle. And God's up there just saying, you need to change. Even if I gave you the miracle you want, you'd mess it up. God, I need $1,000. You'd blow it on a new TV. I ain't giving you nothing. Not against TVs. Listen, if you can get this in your spirit, that prayer changes you. Instead of God, instead of prayer changing my circumstances. Some of the things we think are hurting us are really helping us. You're going to check out on me now. Some of the things you think are hurting you have been helping you all along. Some of the hard things you're going through, it's God applying fire to change who you are. Come on, you were shouting a little while ago. God needs to apply fire. to. That's what it's meant, baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. And somehow we thought fire was just another level. No, fire is the burning. That's the purging out. 
That's the changing of incense to smoke. Otherwise, you're just babbling. Prayer without fire is talking to yourself. You think you're walking with God, but it's just a walk in the park. Come on, church. Some of the things that are hurting us are actually helping us. Because sometimes fire, fire breaks the will. It breaks the pride. breaks the stubbornness. Come on, church. There's a recipe for There's a recipe. Exodus chapter 30, verse uh, 34. And the Lord said to Moses, take sweet spices. Stacti, Onicha, Galbanum, all those that you have in your cabinet. <laughs> and pure frankincense. With these sweet spices, there shall be equal amounts of each. Mm -hmm. You shall make of these an incense, a compound according to the art of the perfumer. Salted. By the way, salt is the fifth ingredient. Salted, pure, and holy. Mm -hmm. Wow. And you shall beat some of it. Some of the, I didn't feel like I'm being beat. Yeah, that's God. They won't amen the hard stuff. And put some of it before the testimony in the tabernacle, a meeting where I will meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. Uh-huh. But as for the incense which you shall make, you shall not make any for yourselves. Don't be taking your 10%. What you lay before the Lord is the Lord's. According to his composition, it shall be to you holy for the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to smell it, he shall be cut off from his people. This is serious. This is God's incense. Some things belong to God, and we don't need we need to stop messing with it. We need to find God's will for our lives and keep your hands off it. You need to hear the voice of God and just do it and quit trying to manipulate it. Oh. I'm seeing, I heard a little one say amen. I think that was an amen. Hallelujah, out of the mouth of babes. Let's bring up the spices real quick. I'll tell you what they mean. Stacti means a place that flows, a place that flows. Prayer needs to be a, a place that every church needs to get into a flow. How many know everything's changed? Some churches are bound and determined to get back to that old wineskin. That wineskin's done. God, hanging on the wall for a memory. That old wine, God's given us new wineskins for new wine. 
And this next move of God is a move that flows. People are getting sick and tired of coming to church every Sunday and hearing random sermons that some preacher found on the Internet at, at midnight last night and just, oh, this sounds good, and threw it in there. God, God's looking for a flow. Amen. We need the Holy Spirit moving in our services. Some churches are like Father, Son, and what's his name? The second, I got to get going. The second one is onika, which means deep. It's time to get into the deeper things. You know, when they couldn't catch fish, Jesus said, cast out into the deep. Even evangelists, listen, souls will be saved when we go deep. And some people think the, the more shallow we get, the more we look like the world, the more people will get saved. No, 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 we need to go deeper to reach the world. They need to see a real move of the Holy Ghost in our Oh, that'll scare them. No, no, no. You know what hurts them might very well help them. It's time that we not be a Ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and let's have a flow and let's get into the deep things of God in our churches. We can't be afraid of what the world thinks. We just got to preach the truth and the, and the truth will set them free. Give God a crazy praise. Third one is Galbanum. And that means a place of brokenness. Yeah, here's another silent moment. To really get anywhere, and I've already mentioned that we need to be broken. We need fire applied to our lives. We need to be broken. Some of us, we need that pride broken. Some of us need our schedules broken. Come on, priorities. Some of us need our bank books broken. Some of us need some relationships broken. The fourth one, frankincense. I can spend a lot of time on these. We don't have time. Frankincense means purity or sweetness. It's time once again for the church to be pure and sweet. Some people, the holier they get, the, the more sour they can become. The holier they are, the less I want to be around them. Because their holiness has turned into judgmentalism. Well, I'm, I'm here. Why aren't you? Look at you. No, it's not about that. If it wasn't for Jesus, you couldn't get holy. Jesus is your holiness. Don't be talking about, oh, I'm holy. I'm holy because I would never wear those clothes. Oh, get over yourself. How many know we need Jesus for holiness? But the church, the part of the transition, the turning that's happening is churches are getting back to holy living. They're finally getting back to the standard that's in the word of God. Amen. But at the same time, we need to be sweet. Ah. You know, they say, I don't know. they say Southerners are so hospitable, so friendly. That just means they smile while they stab you in the back. That, that's all. I ain't going there. I lived in the south, and I lived in the north. Northerners are as bad as southerners. They, you just see it coming with them. Jesus. Jesus. 
Southerner thinks they can say anything about you they want as long as they add, bless their heart. Oh, they, oh, they're her husband, bless her heart. Whether you say bless her heart or not, it's gossip. Where in the world am I? Purity, sweetness. Some of us have lost our joy. Some of us think serving Christ is drudgery. Some of us have some of us have just you know let regrets and, and sorrow get a hold of our heart. Amen. When it's it should be the house of God. Read read Isaiah 56. Amen. He said, I'm gonna turn my church into a house of prayer. And as soon as he says that, he said, Joy is coming back to the house of God. Prayer. Oh, hallelujah. I'm looking for people who can pray and smile at the same time. Some people, they look like they're having a cardiac arrest while they're praying. Ah! Heal them. Look up every once in a while and smile at God. Are y'all okay? And the fifth one is Salt. After you put all the compound together, salt it. Salt it. Salt. How many of you put salt on food before you even taste it? How many? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to die young. You're going to die young. <laughs> taste it first. And we can preach, and we have preached sermons, whole series on salt. I'm not going to get into it except to say this. Salt represents covenant. And all this needs to happen and is sealed by covenant. The flow happens in covenant. The depth, the deep things happen in covenant. The brokenness happens as we support and love each other. The purity and the sweetness happens as we covenant together. You say, well, what's a covenant? Covenant's kind of like a contract. In the, but a covenant's not a legal. See, in a contract, if either party breaks the deal, the contract's over. A covenant with God is different. Because on the one hand, we break it a lot. But the good news is God never breaks the covenant. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll go with you to the end of the earth. I'll throw your sins as far as the east is to the west. By the way, he didn't say north to south. Because you can go north, 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 and at some point you're going south, 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 south. But if you go east, you can walk for a thousand years and you're still going east. He said, I'm going to cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. He never cancels the covenant. You can walk away from it, but he never, oh, my God, hallelujah. He's bound to it. He's bound to you. Don't ever accuse God of leaving you because he didn't. i got to wrap this up. Prayer and worship changes the atmosphere, 
John 12 and verse 1. I love, I love preaching on this gal. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper. Can you imagine sitting around the table and Lazarus is there? <laughs> Lazarus, how you doing? Pretty good. <laughs> Better now. <laughs> Lazarus, you smell good. Mm-hmm. Thank God there's not another preacher like me. God help us. There, there they made him a supper, and Martha served, and Lazarus sat at the table, typical man. And verse 3, hey, if I rose from the dead, I'd be sitting around too. I'd be like, mm-hmm. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was, the house was with the, it was filled. Filled. We're talking about expensive stuff. Come on, if you break a jar of expensive perfume in a small room, anybody walking in will smell that. Tomorrow, next week, it can even be in the nose. You might leave the room but still smell it. Sometimes you leave church and you still have that presence on you. There are people that walk through these doors, never been in this sanctuary, and they said, the minute I walked in, I knew this was God's house. I felt his presence. Don't even know what that is or well, how to explain it. Some don't even know what it is, but they said, I felt something. I hope it was God. I felt something when I came in. I remember a lady, I remember a lady once told me, Pastor, Pastor, I have a revelation. God told me there, there's lustful spirits in here. I said, yeah, they're here all the time. <gasps> She was concerned that I knew that. I don't know. No, no, there's spirits all, all around us all the time. Don't worry about them. Remember what I said about the darkness? Quit worrying about the darkness. Quit cursing the darkness. Just turn on a light. The presence of God. And they're hiding under the seats. They're running out the door. Amen. Going out the window. Amen. Well, no windows. But they're getting out of here. Amen. Because the, the light always adjusts the darkness. The darkness cannot adjust anything. It's the light and the amount of light that determines if it's dark or not. Fill yourself with the light of God. Fragrance. She changed the atmosphere of that room. It probably got in the chair. It probably got in the floorboards. It smelled. People would come in a month later. Oh, something different about this, about this room. But watch this. It was a costly. She didn't throw out cheap perfume. (laughs) This is not the mock-up fake stuff you get over at, I won't say. (laughs) 
ODD perfume. Get a bottle for a buck fifty, and everywhere else it's sixty bucks. Like, mm-hmm, real thing. No, no, expensive perfume lasts. It lingers. That's why a lot of churches, they, they, they have a so-called good service, but everyone's the same thing on Monday. Because cheap perfume doesn't last. We need the real thing. We need the expensive type. I, anybody willing to pay the price? Where I say, oh, Jesus paid the price. Yeah, but you're supposed to get up on the cross with him. How many know there's a price? Grace is free, but it ain't cheap. It changes the atmosphere. And I pray every day, God, change the atmosphere. Change the atmosphere. Well, one last point. I want you to notice the positional, the position of the furniture one time. And you got this to the right, this to the left, this blocks, and then inside you've got the holy of holies, right? But watch this. This is really weird in Hebrews chapter 9. See if you can see if you can pick up on this. I'm going to challenge you. Hebrews 9, verse 2. When you entered the tabernacle, okay, the holy place, you would first come in. And and by the way, whoever wrote Hebrews, we don't know. Whoever wrote Hebrews is obviously talking to Jewish Christians. So they understand all this stuff. So when you first come into the holy chamber, the holy place, where you would find the lampstand and the bread of his presence on the fellowship table. So far, so good, right? Then as you pass through the next curtain, you would enter the holy of holies, the holiest sanctuary of all. Next verse. It contained the golden altar. What? It contained the golden altar of incense. Not in the holy place, but in the holy of holies. And the ark of covenant, right? We'll preach about that. The mercy seat covered in gold. We'll preach about that. It had the, uh, the, the golden jar, the mystery manna, right? Aaron's resurrection rod, which sprouted the, to- the stone tablets, the Ten Commandments. All that was in the box. We'll preach about that. But what is, what is, what is going on here? Why is the golden altar of incense beyond the veil? Because in the New Testament, he has ripped the veil. And you don't pray out in the holy place. Now you get to go into the holy of holies where only one man once a year could go. But now the altar is taken up through the veil that's been ripped. You have access. Fist bump somebody and said, I got access. You have access now into the Holy of Holies, and you're not praying in the holy place anymore, hoping the incense will wafe into the... No, no, no. The veil's ripped, and you picked up the altar of incense and put it in the Holy of Holies. Oh, somebody praise the Lord. You're not getting this. Hallelujah. 
So now let's go back, let's go back to the picture. How many know what Jesus is doing right now? Right now. He's seated at the right hand of the making intercession. He's praying. And we are seated in heavenly places on the throne, so we're in his lap. Maybe that'll help you pray next time. And there we are, the altar of incense pushed into the holy of holies. And what you have here, and I'll close, what you have here is Jesus the bread of life, the golden candlestick, the stick, the light of the Holy Ghost, the Father on the mercy seat, and there we are in the middle of the Trinity. And not just there, but shove it in. We have what's called access to the throne room of God. How many of you remember? I thought I was done. Like I said, you got nowhere to go. You remember when Jesus rose from the dead and he was in the garden and Mary tried to touch him and Jesus said, Don't touch me? You remember that? Do you know why? Because. Every high priest, before he went into the Holy of Holies, he had to wear priest clothes, which set him apart from everyone else. And the rule was you can't touch him. He's holy when he's wearing those clothes. And until he takes the blood and the incense and goes into the Holy of Holies and makes that offering, nobody can touch him. After Jesus died and rose from the dead, he had one more job that we don't talk about. He had to go to the Father. People say, where did the blood of Jesus go? I'll tell you. It went to the Father. Mary, don't touch me. I'm not done yet. I need to go to the Father in the spirit realm and present my blood. And after that, I can come back. How many know you can touch me then? He tells, he tells Thomas, put your hand in my side. You can touch me now. But you can't touch him then because he's, Jesus is the high priest who goes into the holy, who tears the veil, goes into the holy of holies, and now we are seated together with him in heavenly places through Christ Jesus the Lord. And he can be touched. We can be touched. You know what Jesus is? Jesus, watch this. Jesus is our man on the inside. Come on up, guys. He's our man on the inside. You know what it is? How many remember Joseph? They sell him out. They throw him in a pit. His life is H-E double hockey sticks. 
right? He's in prison. He gets falsely accused. All this stuff happens to him. Some things that are, that are hurting you are actually helping you. And because of all that, and after coming through all that hurt, come on, church, he comes out, and now he's the number two guy, and a famine hits the world. His family back in the promised land, as it were, are starving to death. <laughs> but Jacob's got a man on the inside. I said, Jacob had a man on the inside. And they go to Egypt, and they live there, and they have everything. In that generation, they have everything that they need. How many of you got a man on the inside? The veil's been broken, and we have access to the very heart of the Father. Holy Ghost on one side, Jesus on the other. The Father on the mercy side. And we're right smack in the middle. Someone said when God moves in the house of God like he has today, it's like heaven and earth kiss. And I'm right in the middle of the smack. Woo! That's a good place to be. A lot of Christians have never experienced that. Know nothing about the presence of God. We need a flow. We need to go deep. We need purity and sweetness. Come on, church. We need, we need to stay in covenant with our Lord and Savior. 